Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. With, with the full band, what are one or two of the songs that you have the most fun playing? I mean, I'm always going to be a big fan of uh, Super Stupid. Um, and, you know, Dog Star uh, Fly On is like just a childhood thing that I've always wanted to play that right. And when we're on tour with Red Hot Chili Peppers, we got to play um, Fly On and Super Stupid, like back to back, uh, which is crazy. Now, there's a lot of energy involved and there's a lot of stretching out. You know, first 12 minutes these two songs that were stretching them big, you know, 13, 14 minutes, whatever. Um, so those are two of my favorite songs. I mean, if I had a, another one, obviously playing Maggot Brain at the show, um, just being at so many shows and then having all this pocket going on and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden you have somebody like Dennis or somebody get up there and play Maggot Brain and play like, you know, whole different style of drumming all of a sudden. More like uh, Neil Prudish all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Or like uh, Dennis or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, I always wanted to be at that that level of drumming. Like I'm like, okay, I'm able to play pocket all night and then this middle part, I just go into the progressive drum thing and then come back to the groove again. How much do you feel like your playing has progressed since you first started? Um, Decision-making has changed. Um, now I've just been working more on the physical of it, you know, I was like, okay, I can, I can do certain things, you know, when I was younger playing on the show, like, you know, I was going for blood <laughs> and I just be looking like, this is crazy. Like, like I can still do some of that stuff, but I'm just like, wow, you know, but that's only from doing it so much, but I would assume getting back on the road and doing it again, I'd probably be doing some more stuff that I've never done before, you know? But it all requires you to play more. How thrashed do you feel after a full show? Eh, it depends on how full it is. If it's only a you know a two hour show, I'm alive. Three hours, eh, depending on what we're doing, I can I can give you a good you know a good three. I've had to do four. Um, done four. Uh, that was brutal. Uh, for the most part, I've worked up the, the conditioning to be able to uh, withstand it without being dead, you know, but at, at our peak of touring and all that stuff, there's a lot of working out, not even a whole lot of working out, but, you know, a couple miles walk and enough of weight here and there, <laughs> you know, some push-ups, um, that type of stuff that you're doing that's not on the set is what helps when it comes to, like, just, like, when. At that point, I just figured out that you had to get wind i can play drums now i just need wind you know so i was like okay so that's going to require me to cardio miles yeah <laughs> yep that's going to require me to run a little bit you know do a couple hundred push-ups all that type of stuff and it all helps for somebody who's never been there benzel what's it like being backstage at a p-funk show today and how was it different 10 years ago <laughs> it's still a chaotic P-Funk backstage thing, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Things are a lot more regulated nowadays, especially with the COVID thing. But even before that, 
just with the whole switch and you know us having like a half young half old band now um there's been a whole lot of uh rules as opposed to like back in the day there weren't many rules um there were different kind of rules there were different kind of rules like back in the day you, could, you can just pull anybody that's there you want anytime that ain't happening no more <laughs> you gotta go through all types of stuff to get you know to do that type of stuff um but for the most part other than that there's still the party scene it's still a huge party backstage uh which is part of the show and it's always gonna have to be some type of thing like that because that is part of the show the whole like the party backstage all types of people back there and everything the numbers have gone down, but back in the day, it used to be a whole lot of people backstage. Like, <laughs> everywhere. Who's that? I don't know. Who's that? I don't know. <laughs> I thought you now knew. we kind of have it regulated. <laughs> yeah, now we got it regulated a little bit. You know, oh, that's that's this person. That's that person. This is, that's family. That's, you know, stuff like that. But it's still wild. It's I still was... rated R back there. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, PG, uh, PG 13 between R and 13. It's, it's definitely gone down a little bit, but there's still the, the R factor and there's the PG 13 factor. I always wonder, too, you know, the group is so big. It's so unusual today, especially uh, to have groups that big uh, touring and playing. You know, how how is the tour able to be financed you know, so that everyone gets paid, you know, when there's so many people, you got all the musicians, you got the background singers, you got the, you know, the roadies, you got all that. It's such a big production. Uh, you got to make some cuts. Some people are going to have to do two jobs instead of one sometime, you know, but um, they're still able to keep it together. Luckily, you have the, you know, the value of George, which, um, you know, certain shows is, a little bit higher than others sometimes. Um, but, you know, they've been doing it for so long that they, you know, they kind of got that thing where they just know, you know, such and such is going to, you know, the travel and everything. And then, you know, everything else is going, the guys getting paid and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm really glad they can pull it off. We all are, but, um, you know, I'll think, you know, man, how do they keep that afloat? It must be challenging. Well, you but, know, the, the, the the best thing about, you know, George and what's just that they had a lot of shows. So it's like when you have a lot of shows, you know, everybody can still win. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of shows, which is about to start happening again. But, you know, so, George being the age that he is, he's definitely able to uh, demand a little more money because he's at the level that he's at and, you know, all the things that he's doing and, you know, art and, you know, this magazine, that magazine, um, the creator of Afrofuturism or something. You know what I mean? Uh, and yeah, especially after the all Grammy this stuff too. he's doing. Yeah, yeah, and all this stuff that, you know, George is still a part of, which is a beautiful thing. So I think when you have icons, you know, they're able to get a little bit more money <laughs> demanded, you know, and some people will pay it. It was um, interesting how that retirement thing kind of came out and then kind of went by the wayside. And, you know, I don't think anyone really believes that, you know, George will retire still. I think he'll hang in there. I think he might, you know, most people that retire go back to work. They still retire. Yeah, my, you know, my aunt retired a couple times <laughs> just to say, like, yeah, I'm, I retired, but I, it means that I'm just working on my own terms now. Well, I think also the Which pandemic. He's doing anyway. The pandemic was like a sabbatical anyway. So, you know. Yeah, but this is supposed to be the, the, the little Europe <clears> thing, <throat> which is coming up. It's supposed to be farewell. Um, they're calling it the farewell tour for that Europe thing. But, you know, I, think it's only because it was supposed to be the farewell tour when we were on that last tour and everything just got messed up so we're just continuing what that was you know like how people are like oh yeah well i'm gonna hold him to his word on this one i'm like i don't really think it's his word i think it's just the, the carryover you didn't tell me he was retiring 
for some, at some point he's going to stop performing. Um, do you think uh, that maybe? Do you think the P Funk thing will still continue? Uh, we have no choice but to con- but to try to continue on. You know, and I'm sure there'll be other branches of funk, and I'm sure there'll be people that want, you know, George's band to back them up or something. That's definitely going to happen. That's for sure. Um, but the, for the most part, I feel like we have no choice but to con- continue. Well, I mean, the funk, and especially the P-funk, has to continue, right? I mean... It only grows stronger. And I mean, yeah. you know, if that, if that means we just have other, you know, new entities of the funk, it'll still be the funk, but it has to be the actual funk, though. And that's the only issue right now with um, with the guys, with the, with the music that's going on with the funk and stuff. It has to be the actual funk, though. Authentic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, we're not necessarily getting the actual funk. We're getting some fusion funk. You know, we're getting some rock funk, which is, you know, funkadelic. We're getting some of that. Um, but it's not the authentic on the one funk that we, you know, and it's a new time. So, you know, it's like, oh, that's old school or whatever. And it's also funky. You know what I'm saying? It's like some of this stuff isn't really funky. What What are one or two of the most challenging songs that you play live? Well, now that we have Trafio in the band with his uh, <laughs> death metal, it's not even death metal. It's more like it's like Christian prog, kind of. It's it's a lot of stuff going on. Dirty Queen. But, yeah. yeah. Um, that would definitely be one of the hardest songs um, because it's got all these things that I don't normally do, with double pedal and, uh, you know, all these blast beats and things like that that has to be done on stage, whatever George calls it, takes a lot out of you, you know? Um, but getting over that hump, finally got over that hump. It took me a couple times to do it. And like, you actually, you know, playing this little track that we're doing, uh, the, the little pole power thing, it's not that it's difficult, but the, it's like you're switching through songs in time, like, four or five different songs that you're just going straight into with, with a track. So what's difficult is making sure that you're hearing everything properly. This is why monitors and all that stuff is very important because you're playing the tracks and stuff and, and one you know false move and everything's destroyed. So that's like really important. So that becomes like a, a challenge. You know, if I can't hear stuff that I need to hear, then it's going to require me to either have to, like, again, pull back or go for it, which if I can't hear, I'm just going off a hard time, which I have a pretty good meter. I'm pretty good in the time realm, but, you know, having the the stuff heard properly is makes it so much better. Yeah. So, so that, that pole power thing could be a little bit difficult. Also, you know, a song like a, um, you know, sometimes Alice could be a little, you know, that's a little thing that you have to get to if you're playing it a certain way. Like if you're just playing it like with 16th notes on the bell for the whole song and 16th notes the whole time, that could be a little bit more difficult than just playing chords. So you're playing 16th notes on the ride for five minutes and hitting like some uh, some hits on the cymbals and you're trying to play this certain, like these certain grooves. And the thing about George is just being able to, to go into a vamp. And a vamp is just playing that joint in a time continuum. And we might be here for a long time. That could be, that's one of the most difficult things about P-Funk, being able to like, stay consistent for a long period of time um you know and keeping your stamina up and your wind up so there's a lot of songs that require that uh sometimes it, it could be you know it could be red hot mama it could be uh super stupid like depending on like the tempos and stuff like that um all those things could be very challenging which requires you to just as a drummer have to work on um 
playing 16th notes with one hand for a long period of time over a groove. So once you get over that and then being able to like do fills and stuff and, and come back to that, you know what I mean? It's like a lot of that. It's a lot of that. <laughs> it's a lot of that. That That's funk. Yeah. 16th or nine. That's funkadelic funk, but yeah. What What's um something that maybe most people would be surprised related to George Clinton that, you could share. Is there anything? It could just be some quirk has or, or something that you saw or, or a memory or some, you know, whatever. Surprised. I mean, you just expect George to do the most off the wall things all the time. Yeah, that's true. So maybe it would be like that. He likes to, uh, you know, read some sophisticated book or something. I don't know. Oh man, this is good. This is good. I don't know. There's so many things that George does that are just ridiculous. Um, between like these paintings that he's doing, which is just ridiculous, that are just like you know George is colorblind, so um, I don't know <laughs> how he has all this colorful stuff all the time, and he doesn't really see color like that. That's pretty pretty ridiculous to me and he's a painter now <laughs> i mean just look at his shoes look at everything look at his hair it used to be it was like all colorful that's one crazy thing uh, another thing about this guy is that he like always be trying to go fishing and stuff mm-hmm. like he's always like going fishing and frying up some fish and stuff it is like one of his favorite things to do like go fishing and like fry up some fish and stuff like, okay, that's what you like to do. Hey, everybody likes to do what they like to do. I like playing drums. You know, it's just so funny. He has that wide catalog of music. So he just, he can just listen to his own music if he wanted to forever. You know, so I think it's great that he gets to like hear some other things, like some hip hop stuff. And, he, you know, I guess he has a lot of music that's brought to him because he has a studio and things like that. So a lot of people want him to check out this and check out that. But like he has this, this wide catalog of music and he's still making music today somehow. He's still like doing stuff and he's, still, he's got some stuff coming out soon. He's always got something in store. Have have you gotten to spend much time with Bootsy? Um, me and Bootsy have a thing. You know, he held me as a baby. Uh, he told me one day he would, you know, have me playing with him or something like that. We have played together. We played that gig at the Apollo. We we played a song together, and um, you know, I've just always loved Boot. He's always been a part of uh, my funk thing. You know. Bootsy on this face has <laughs> always been like legendary to me. Like, oh my god! Um, but he's definitely like really close to the family. Um, I wish I could see him more. Whenever he's in like Maryland or playing somewhere in DC, I will go to the show and I get to go back and hang with him backstage and stuff like that. So you know that's cool. I'd like to you know maybe play, maybe do a record or something with him. Who knows? Well, he's not playing live anymore, it looks like, but he's still doing new music, so that could happen. Oh, yeah, he can still, he can still lay down a little bass line for me, maybe. But he is definitely uh, one of my uncles. I appreciate him uh, helping me out in this career, you know, just, just being there for me, uh, more support, stuff like that. Like, yeah, you're doing a thing, you know. Big uncle. I'm still hoping somehow, some way that he and George, you know, do something together uh, before it's said and done, you know, in the studio. Probably. Probably already did. Probably. I can only imagine how much stuff has been recorded that we haven't heard, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what George is going to do. He might do something with, like, Snoop or something. I think he is doing something with, like, Snoop and... You know, he's doing the West Coast thing. They're really embracing that West Coast, uh, that funk thing. So, you know, yeah. I'm sure George has some things in it that's going to come out. 
in um, your experiences touring with the group, can you share one or two shows or just memories that just really stand out to you? Um, Paradiso is my favorite venue, like top five in the world. So being able to play there for the first time was, um, was just like something about that place. You know, I think it's an old church or whatever. So, you know, it's just like, um, it's a spiritual vibe in there. Um, and like my first time playing there, it just felt so special. You know, every time I go there, I still feel the same way. Like, wow, this is one of my favorite places to be at. It's just a very pretty place. You ever seen it? No, I mean, I've heard of it. But... Amsterdam. Um, and we played there. There's a couple. You can look on uh, YouTube playing for his for George's birthday out there one time. So it kind of, you know, took me back to Woodstockish type time. Most of the time we always play around, you know, July 20th or something like that. When, you know, Woodstock was July 22nd, 1999. So uh, the 23rd, both of those days. So it's always like whenever I have shows around that time, it's always kind of special. Um, so yeah, Paradiso is a great place. I don't even remember, but we played there like pretty much every year we go to Europe. Um, and of course, playing on stage with uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers was one of the greatest things I've ever did, you know, and just having a relationship with uh, with Flea and Chad and the guys and, you know, just hanging out with Flea and talking and being like, um, like, yeah, I'm ready to play, man. Let me know when you're ready to play. And just be joking around like that. And he's like, He's like, you know what? Put Benzel's drums up there. I'm like, he's not joking. So he tells the one guy, he's like, hey, put Benzel's drums up there. And then that guy tells another guy, and that guy tells another guy. And that's when you know there's a forklift putting the drums that I just played back up there. And they're putting the drums on the front of the stage for us to play Give It Away Now at the same time for Chili Pepper's crowd. Um, which was like a, you know, a huge 30,000 people, you know, no rehearsal, no lights on. They got all these candles, all the people there, you just see all these candles out there and you just hear this beep, beep, beep sound. And that's them putting the drums up there. And it's like, all right, well, um, okay, we're going to do it. It's like, all right, well, again, make sure you know the record. You better know the record. Where and when was that? Uh, I was in Brisbane. I was in Brisbane in 2019. February 2019. Yep, that was the whole, we had a whole, uh, we did nine shows with Chili Peppers in Australia. All those shows were the greatest. They, you know, it was just such a great experience being with, um, a high caliber of musicians like them that actually respect uh, the music as, you know, as, as equal. So that's like crazy. And like, you know, being able to hang out with Flea and Anthony and all these guys backstage and, you know, see Chad play drums, just like playing in a room. That was another thing I had never seen. They have all their instruments and stuff, but they got instruments just set up backstage, like, in the room, they got a, they got a jam room for all the shows. So any show, you know, please or Chad just want to go bang out for thirty minutes before the show, he can just go back there and bust out on drum, and then he go on stage and kill. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. They're at that level, but that's what it should be. <laughs> you know, they and then we get to this last game, like I'm saying in Florida. Um. That's the last most memorable memorable gig. I just did it, but it's like so many people out there. This is a re, uh, reminding me of like the caliber of the stages and stuff that we're playing on. Again, so we're going right back to the huge festival thing. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I was sorry that that Chili Peppers uh, pairing didn't also hit the states. Just in Australia that year. Yeah, well, yeah, but um, you never know what's going to happen. 
Well, I know they're going back out. They're going back out for the first time in a long time. So yeah, who knows? They'll be in DC. They're going to be in DC. I'm going to go. I'm probably going to see them if, if we're not playing. Probably get a chance to go see them. But uh, I don't know. Last time I've seen Flea, he said, I'll see you soon. You know, they said that we were one of their favorite bands to tour with. Like they loved it every night. They were on stage. Every night that we played, they were on the side of the stage out there. All of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. How how long was the P-Funk set on that? Like an hour? Yep. 59 minutes, I would say. <laughs> we learned how to be professional, super professional on that stage. It's like, hey, listen. You know, y'all start when the when lights go up. Lights come on, that's when you start. And it's like, when the show over, you hit the last note, but you're supposed to be off the stage by nine o'clock. Which means you're going to have to stop before nine o'clock to be off stage by nine o'clock. We're talking about big productions now. You yeah. Had to end that joint at 8.57. And that's when Big Daddy came over and said, Big Daddy came over and said, um, that was a good show. Big Daddy ain't come over and said that was a big show until like the, the the particular day that I did what I noticed that he wanted us to do. And he just we talked about it. He didn't talk to George about it. He didn't talk to Big Daddy is the, the guy that runs the whole chili pepper thing backstage. Mm. Like he's the whole 75 person production or more. He's running them. They all listen to him on the stage. So I was trying to get a relationship with that guy. You know, he's a tough guy. He's like a bear. You know, and it's like, he, he's really serious about his stuff. He don't joke around. But after that one show, you know, we started right. And I, I made sure we started right. This is on me. Make sure we started right. Make sure we ended right, which is also on me. Because Georgia just stand out there and just keep playing. But, you know, it's like, okay, I have to cut George off real quick because this is what Big Daddy said the show is how it's supposed to go. This is they show. So when I did that and I got off stage, Big Daddy's like, good show, Benzel. Okay. Okay. Like Again, this is how you please the bosses. You do what they want. It's only for an hour. It's challenging for P-Funk, though, because I know I saw a couple of shows oh, yeah. at, at venues where there were curfews, you know, and so they got cut prematurely, and I was always uh, bummed at that. So when that happens, a lot of times you can only have time to do, like, the hits, the typical stuff, whereas when a full show, you get to stretch out and do some of the other stuff. So, uh, you, know, you know how George is. <laughs> He's going to go a little longer anyway. He's going to go until they pull the plug. Sometimes if, it, if it's like that, um, but he also has ways of doing uh, like little medleys. So he'll be able to still get the sound out of that one song and then he'll just jump into another song. But it, this is when it talks, when we're talking about George directing it. More George's directions are more like, we about to go into this song, get me into the song now. And I'm like, okay. So I have to figure out how we're going to just jump into this song. Okay. <laughs> so it will be looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, all right, I'm trying to find a spot to stop. Okay, here we go. Bop. Now we go into the next thing. This is all unrehearsed. This is the thing about George. You have to be able to just do, just jump into it. I'm actually pretty in tune with G, though. George is kind of like the pastor of the funk. You know, being at a, at a church background, I'm able to play behind pastors. So it's kind of like that. Where it's like changing Doing something else, doing something else. He just wants you to watch. So you have to watch him. That's basically what it's about. The more you watch, the better. But you must uh, zone out a little bit sometimes when you're playing one of those really long, stretched out grooves without a lot of changes. That's when it'll catch you. <laughs> he's out there trying to direct every note right now. <laughs> like he's like he's he's a part of every note. For the most part, you know, there might be a second where he might, you know, sit back and just chill like what's a maggot brain. And then, you know, when he stands up, that means we're, we're going 
it's time to go big now. Let's go big. Or, you know, it's time to go big. That's basically the signal. We're going big or we're breaking down. Most of Georgia's signals are about the, the volume of the snare and, like, you know, being able to play not on the rim or playing, like, with, with this much of the stick, you know, instead of, like, the whole stick. So now you're hitting it with that much of the stick on the rim. It's like it's all dynamics with him. All about dynamics. So it's hard to zone. I can zone because he, you know, when you do, you know, you do what what you want, what he wants for a little while, and then he'll start messing with the crowd. Now you can, you know, until he comes back to you later. He messes with everybody, but he messes with the drummer the most. Unless the drummer's doing really good. When the drummer's doing good, he'll just say, okay, good. You know, and we'll go mess with somebody else. <laughs> we'll come back later. What, what What's your own favorite genre of music? What do you like to listen to mostly on your own? Um, well, for me personally, I've always been an improvisationalist. Always had been infatuated with uh, soloing and drum solos. So I listen to a lot of drum solos. I listen to a lot of... Uh, drum-oriented music, like these guys playing these tracks and stuff like that. Um, I listen to a lot of that. Uh, I play gospel music, so I listen to a lot of gospel music. Um, I listen to a lot of jazz. Um, and I listen to a lot of P-Funk. Do you ever put on one of those old P-Funk records and it kind of blows your mind, you know? Yeah, still, because now when I listen to things, I want to be able to play it. So now when I'm listening to things, I'm listening to it in more of a way of I can play it or I want to be able to play it. So now when I listen to stuff, I look at it that way. So I say, oh, oh, he played that, oh, he played that. Now I'm more focused on, oh, he played this, he played that. I never really was focused on he played this, he played that. I was just trying to play the notes of the music and play my own part. Like, I've always been more of a music music person I was like i like i learn songs through the music not necessarily through the drum part i make my own drum part after you learn the regular drum part then you make your own that's what dennis uh taught me as well it's like you learn what they played and then you learn your own version of that do you have a favorite out of all aside from dennis do you have a favorite of all the p-funk drummers Ooh. Um, when, when I was when I was uh coming up, obviously my favorite drummer other than Dennis was um was Gabe because he played on um that song, Dog Star, and he played on that record, Dope Dog. So like that record blew my mind. Um some of the stuff that he was playing on there. So that was my favorite drummer first coming up. And then as I uh, went on and started listening to more records, I started listening more to, um, started liking Tiki more. Um, because he had that foot thing. Like, it's like a like a John Bonham thing, but like a funk heel toe thing. So he was doing a lot of that. He could do it really loud. So I developed uh, working on that technique from listening to him because there was no way that I could play it like this yet. Um, so he became one of my favorites. And then after that, then I started listening to Tyrone more because George started listening to like some Tyrone stuff that I wasn't really familiar with. Um, and I'd be like, he's playing that. Like it's like a lot of like real marching bandy type cadences. So that kind of took over for me. And I'm like, okay, so I need to be able to play some of that. You know, some of the sticky stuff, obviously some of the dinner stuff and, you know, kind of play a little bit of the gay stuff. Um, but on the road, my favorite drummer was Rico. Because, like, he just really felt good on all the, like, the, the flashlights and the stuff like that. And he, you know, took me under his wing and showed me everything. He showed me how to set the stands right and all that stuff, how to put the stuff right. It's like the drums got to be set up right first and foremost. And then he would show me like the pickups and stuff. Like it's supposed to be like this, supposed to be like that. 
you know, like, I like what you're doing, but it's like this, you know? So I think if you're going to do your own thing to it, it has to still have an element of this. So yeah, I was under Rico for a while. Frankie too, of course. Um, oh, and you mentioned Australia, it brought to mind. I know um, you were on a Sean Cooper's record too. So you must uh, be Science of with- Pants. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've done some tracks with uh, Ishan, you know, that had uh, Angelo on it. We had a couple Fishbone guys on there, right? Yeah. I think my dad is on it, too. I think the Beef on Horns on it. Might be. On it. A lot of yeah. people on there. Yeah. Oh, did yeah. You get, did you get to meet family. him in person when you went down there? Oh, yeah. We're friends. I've been, I see him every time I'm there. I know his son. I knew his, oh. I knew his son when he was a baby with, with headphones on at the show. You know, and now he's like, I don't know. I think he's like seven or eight. Like he's big. Like I can still pick him up, but I'm like, wow, this dude's big now. I can't believe it. It's been that many years I've been on the road. So let me ask you, uh, Benzo, what does tell the people what does funk mean to you, and specifically, what does P funk mean to you? Funk in general as told by George Clinton as the, the DNA of hip hop, which goes back to that psh, bop, hip, uh, so funk and hip, the whole funk and hip hop to me is, is that psh, bop, is the space. And that's what funk is. Funk is like the space in between, you know, and it's like the, uh, it's like the heartbeat. It is the heartbeat of music for me. But um, now P-Funk, to me, is like, how do I explain P-Funk? P-Funk is the the funkiest music of all time, at the least. I have to say that. I mean, it's P-Funk to me is James Brown, Funkadelic, and... Dr. Dre combined. That's what it is. <laughs> That's definitely what it is. You agree? Yeah, yeah, except for Dre came later, but yeah. Like, I mean, he created the, that, that thing. G-Funk, yeah. Yeah, like, that's why I say that. Like, it's like a lot of that stuff that he's doing is just, you know, what George already did live. So basically, P-Funk is live hip-hop. Like it's hip hop, but it's like, like live, but it's not necessarily hip hop grooves. It's, it's funk, but it has a hip hop bounce to it. It's, it's it's able to be rapped to, but it's live music that you can rap to. If that makes any sense, it's like it's like it's like Rage Against the Machine. You know, um, if you didn't know, a lot of the Rage Against the Machine songs actually were kind of based on Alice and Red Hot. Did you know that? Well, I could guess it, but I, I mean, no, officially. It's true. You, you can tell, you know, some of that stuff. So it's like, you know, P-Funk is MTV and hip hop combined. What does it mean to you, though, Benzel, in terms of how it makes you feel? Shoo. To me. What, P-Funk or Funk in general? Go with P-Funk. Man, P-Funk makes me feel like it's like it makes me feel like spiritual because I've, I've grown up with it like my whole life. Like it's it's been with me as long as God almost. You know what I mean? It's been with me so long that it's like certain notes and certain um moments playing it like it becomes like it can even be uh emotional at some point um because i feel like you know for me p-funk has always been constantly trying to play it uh better like me personally always trying to either play it better or trying to accomplish that particular emotion or feeling that you felt when you first heard it or when you first seen it live or something and you know whatever those serotonin levels was doing at that one time when you first heard it you always trying to recreate that moment 
on stage, which is pretty deep. And it's, it's so it requires you to, you know, get in tune with yourself in order to go there to that next level, that next dimension in music. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you can chop it up. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Uh, and I totally relate, you know, I don't need to play in the band to uh, feel that and relate to. So, and that's one of the great things about P-Funk to me also is that the listener and the audience can be right there in the same plane. Yeah. You're, you're, you're working towards the same goal with just feeling the music, whether you're playing it or listening to it, you know, and then everything is like on a certain way, everything's on a certain plane right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just so organic. It's like a, it's like a train or something, you know, trains don't just play and just, they don't just ride and just stop every five minutes. You know what I mean? If you want the Amtrak, it's not going to stop every five minutes. It's going to ride for a while. And that's how funk is. It's like a, it's a, this never ending ride. Yeah. Very special frequency. Yeah. Um, what what would be on your bucket list, you know, musically? Mm, well, other than probably going some places I haven't been, which I've almost been everywhere. I haven't been to Africa yet. I haven't been to India. I haven't been to like the Philippines. So I would like to do some stuff like that. Um, I'd like to play with some cats out here, some of the new the newish hip hop funk cat guys, uh, like uh, guys like um, you know Bruno and uh, Anderson Pat. It'd be cool to get with some guys like that. You know, um, one of my things was Mono Neon, but that happened a couple days ago. Yeah, he's he's a beast. So, and that was a great thing to be able to like, you know, hang with him. And he came in, and I kind of like. You know, you know, nobody really, you know, guys know, but, you know, the older cats, you know, they're older cats, so they're going to come over later. So I had to come over there first and talk to him, yo, you know, me and him, are, we have a rapport. So I came over there and had to talk to him and, like, you know, everything's cool, you know, anything, all that type of stuff. Like, I don't mind doing that type of stuff. And then I'm, like, uh, talking to him, like, oh, yeah, George wants you to do this. George wants you to do that. So I was that guy. So that was cool. So I got to have a little relationship with him and maybe I can get a, you know, a track out of him or something. I'd like to maybe go on the road with Chili Peppers again or maybe even, you know, sit in with those guys or something like that. What track did he play with you guys? Uh, he played Get Up for the Downstroke, he played Cosmic Slop and Red Hot Mama. But Lodge played too, so it was double bass. And he was able to just like, you know, embellish. So yeah. it was kind of like some funkadelic dumpster funk type thing going on. It was crazy. That's nice. Is he uh, t- talkative much or he seems like a quiet dude? Yeah, he's pretty quiet, you know, but, uh, you know, he'll talk if, you know, if it's the right person talking to him, you know, but for the most part, he's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, this is my, he's got his little guy that kind of does his business for him and stuff. You can talk to the guy about anything, but um He's talking on that bass, though, at the least. <laughs> he's really talking on that bass. Amazing. Yeah, he's definitely, I think, one of the best of the younger cats. Yeah, he's doing the new thing, and he's still got, like, some of that. He's got some of that Stanley, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, where, are, you most prou- where are you most proud of accomplishing, Benzel? <sighs> You know, like it, it's it's so difficult sometimes because like you don't even know, you know, what's what. Sometimes it's like you know you think you're just doing a show or you're just doing this or doing that, and it ends up being something huge. And you don't even I don't know until the show's over that we were doing this, we're doing that. Um, I think one of the, you know, one of my obviously one of my biggest accomplishments was being able to perform at Woodstock and like not die. My my first biggest accomplishment was not like surviving messing up. Yeah, not messing <laughs> up, not dropping a stick, 
like staying on the one, like not turning the band around. So that was like, so I had to accomplish that first thing in order to even be able to do what we're doing now. You know, so that was kind of a really big thing. And then, you know, playing for Michael Jordan was pretty cool. That's always going to be, that's always going to be huge for me. What was that circumstance? Um, Michael Jordan wanted Parliament and T-Pain to perform together at his celebrity golf tournament party. So um, T-Pain said this is music that we had to learn. The whole 20-minute T-Pain set, whole 21-minute set with like no click, just straight timing. It was, it was one of the most difficult things in music I've ever had to do other than playing like some jazz stuff or something like this. Definitely the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. It took me like months. Like I had like, I think we had like three months and I don't think I even got to open it for like two months. So I, so I had to take like two months to do it or whatever. And um, we got there and we got to rehearse with T-Pain and he was being a stickler. And, uh, you know, Michael Jordan just like, well, y'all going to do it anyway. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. So we ended up doing it. And it was actually really good. What, that was a scary moment. Though, what, though. What, like, what, when was that? When was it? <sighs> I'm going to have to look it up. I think it was around, I don't know, it was in Las Vegas at the Aria Hotel. Uh, say it was around that new era, though. I would say somewhere between um, like 2016 and 2017. That was amazing. Um, you know, we played the main stage at, at BAM. That was cool. Um, got to record at uh, what's the studio in England? Um, I can't remember the name of the studio. Oh, me, me, Metropolis? Yeah, Metropolis, yeah. So that was huge. I got to play on that. Um, I haven't opened the record yet, so it's still in plastic. I don't think I'm ever going to open that. That's record. a beautiful set. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, then uh, I got in Modern Drummer a couple times. Mm, yeah. Which was, uh, which was really big for me. I actually got well, I went from having like an article that's like this big to having eight pages, like right after Anderson Peck or right before Anderson Peck in that magazine. So that was, that was pretty, uh, that felt pretty good, you know. Have you met him? Oh yeah. We worked together a little bit, you know, um, he was at, uh, the little jam card party that we did for George. And there was a lot of artists there. And he was uh, one of them. So that, that, that was cool. We got to hang out and talk about music and stuff. Gotten to chop it up with a lot of guys. It's pretty amazing, you know. Yeah. Wow. What uh, What do you got? Anything coming up besides the tour that uh, people should be aware of or look out for that you want to share or plug? Uh, well, you know, I got, I got this new group called the uh, Mother Funkaholic and kind of working with them. Uh, I'm working on some other stuff coming soon uh it's gonna be benzel i can't really tell you everything can't really tell you everything but it's gonna be a little project that we're coming out with trying to do some more funk and trying to add to that that p-funk type of vibe and trying to bring some new funk out here somehow it's gonna happen new funk so how how can people uh you know keep up with you and keep up with that oh yeah you can check me out on uh, instagram i'm very accessible at uh, Benzel, B-more, B-E-N-Z-E-L, B-M-O-R-E. You know, I, I put everything I do on there, all my shows and things like that. Obviously, I'm on Facebook at uh, Benzel Cowan, C-O-W-A-N. Um, so you can check me out on those places. I have my own website, which is BenzelBaltimore.com. So between those things, you should be able to find out what I'm doing. We're going to always... Constantly be out here working and doing the next show. I'll be updating you guys. Outstanding. Hey, man. Thank you for sharing all this with uh, viewers. And thank you for keeping the funk alive, man. Oh, man. I, I appreciate you guys, man. 
Uh, can't wait to see you in Carolina. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkandstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing, on vibing to the rhythm of the one.